NPTE StudyCast. All right, up next on NPTE StudyCast, adhesive capsulitis. First, what is it? Well, you probably know it as frozen shoulder, mm-hmm. but when you read it on the exam, it's going to be adhesive capsulitis. Fancy so, talk. So the name says it all, right? It's the capsule. So we're talking about, obviously, the GH joint. And the capsule, you have to remember, it's pretty much an inflammatory process. And really what goes on is you have restricted movement of the GH joint. So a big thing about the capsule is it follows a capsular pattern. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about you know how we're going to differentially diagnose, that's one of the, the easy ways to go is if you remember what the capsular pattern is of the shoulder. So if you think about what some of the signs and symptoms are when somebody comes in with frozen shoulder, biggest thing they're going to have is they're going to have pain and they're going to have decreased range of motion. They can have pain at rest, but most of the time their pain escalates when they try to reach over their head, reach behind their back. And again, that will bring them into your office because they have decreased function. You can think about that capsular pattern of the shoulder. You're going to see limitations in range of motion, mostly in external rotation, secondly, in abduction and flexion, and then the least amount of range loss they're going to see is going to be an internal rotation. Anatomy. If we think about the anatomy, we're really focused on the capsule and the capsule kind of blends in with the rotator cuff. So if you just remind yourself what's part of the rotator cuff, so you have mm-hmm. supraspinatus, infraspinatus, teres minor, subscapularis. Sits. The sits, that's right. The inferior capsule doesn't have any of the rotator cuff blending into it. So the inferior capsule is the most lax. So that's the part of the capsule that's probably involved the least amount with adhesive capsulitis. And then the capsule pretty much also blends in with the labrum. So the labrum, you know, is that sort of, you know, you can think of it almost as a shock absorber, but it's going to help you with that congruency of getting that, you know, huge humeral head to stick onto that glenoid. So we can have a little bit of labral involvement as well when we talk about adhesive capsulitis. People that get it, some of the other things that can help you, usually it's a middle-aged person, so between the ages of 40 and 65. Most of the time, it's insidious onset, but you can have people who were doing a lot of overhead movements as part of their occupation, or it could have been somebody that did overhead sports. It could be secondary to a trauma. Some of the other things that can tip you off are it has a coincidence with diabetes and also thyroid disease. So you might get a question thrown in like that on the MPTE with that as one of the secondary signs or symptoms that that this person has. When you are trying to differentially diagnose this, what else would appear in your office that might look like this? It could be a rotator cuff tear. It could be rotator cuff tendonitis, right? Because you're your patient's going to have pain and they're going to have pain when they move their arm. You got to think about OA, you know, something really outside of the box, depending on which shoulder is, you got to think about gallbladder as well. So, um, cause you know, they're going to try to sneak in those, uh, organ type questions. With differential diagnosis, gallbladder pain is going to be which shoulder again? The right shoulder. Okay. Opposite of the uh, heart attack. Excellent. Yes. Good way to remember that. Special tests. Special tests. So the biggest special test that you're going to do is range of motion, right? And you're going to be looking for range of motion that follows a capsular pattern. You will be looking for pain both with active and passive range. And then if you want to get into your real orthopedics, you'll, you'll be feeling a capsular end feel. It could be empty. In terms of other special tests, they're more to rule out because, again, remember differential diagnosis, we're trying to think about rotator cuff, so you'd want to do your near impingement test. You may also be uh, trying to differentially diagnose versus a slap tear. So remember, that's your superior labrum anterior to posterior. You can do any of your other impingement tests if you want, like your Hawkins-Kennedy, and if it was a full thickness rotator cuff tear, you'd want to do something like your drop arm test. Treatment examples. In terms of treatment, best thing you can do 
really is um, restore the range of motion. Um, so you're going to be doing your joint mobilizations. If you want to try to restore the things that are most impaired, so external rotations, things that most impaired, so you're thinking about doing anterior glides. So anterior glides are going to restore your external rotation and your extension. You can do posterior glides. That's going to help you with your flexion and your internal rotation. And then you want to try to also restore your abduction. So that would be a inferior glide that will also help you with flexion as well. So those are some typical questions that they'd probably ask you. You can also, you know, have your patient can be on NSAIDs uh, to help with pain management. You can use modalities. If they're not doing their home exercise program, then they may be at risk for having a manipulation under anesthesia. So, and then you may be seeing them again. There's some patients that get corticosteroid injections, but that's not something that's used all that frequently. So this is one of those cases where rehab is going to be the, the main treatment. Here's your example question. All right. So I have a question for you. All right. We love questions. Love sample questions. All right. So this is trying to mimic what you might see on the NPT. You're treating a 55-year-old female with adhesive capsulitis, which is the best form of treatment in the subacute phase. Okay. Choice one. Choice one. Grade two mobilizations in the anterior-posterior direction to restore external rotation. Okay. Choice two. Choice two. Grade three mobilizations in the anterior-posterior direction to restore flexion. Choice three. Self-stretching into internal rotation. You can think of that as your sleeper stretch as well. Choice four. Choice four is active assistive range of motion focused on flexion. So you can pause right now because we're going to give the answer away and we're going to break down uh, why the correct one is correct and most importantly why the incorrect ones are incorrect. Right. So the correct answer is choice two, which was grade three mobilizations, anterior posterior glide to restore flexion. Okay. A grade three MOB is what you would want to do in, in adhesive capsulitis. And we're in the subacute phase. This is where you want to get a little bit aggressive. And just to remind you, a grade three MOB is going to be a large amplitude and it's going to take you to the limitation of your range of motion. So essentially, that's what we want to do. And it also, you have to look at the second part. Was it a correct direction that you were doing? So right. it was an anterior posterior glide and that would restore flexion. So that's all correct. If we then go back and look at why the other answers were wrong, choice one, I wouldn't prefer as my answer because a grade two MOB wouldn't necessarily be the best choice right? because grade two is large amplitude, but only going into mid range. So you're not going to get the best result, but it's also the back half of the question is wrong because it said anterior to posterior glide to restore external rotation. That is not true. So that would restore internal rotation. Yeah. Things get confusing when they start telling you which direction it's going in by using both directions. Right. Like anterior to posterior can be kind of confusing because both directions are correct. There. But when you think about you're moving from an anterior direction so you're really doing a posterior glide so think about it like that especially when you're taking the test right because they'll give it to you in both ways they'll say either you're doing a posterior glide or they'll say you're doing a mobilization anterior to posterior so you just have to make sure that you know what both of those mean in your head so that was wrong on two parts then we had the third choice was self-stretching into internal rotation internal rotation is the motion that is least affected with adhesive capsulitis. So again, we're looking for the best treatment that you're going to do. And then active assistive range of motion focused on flexion, your patient's going to be limited by pain. So that's not a horrible choice, but as the therapist, you can promote more change if you actually do a joint mob. The other thing that is just a good test-taking method is if you have two choices that both list joint mobilizations. Look at those pretty closely because right. it's usually probably going to be. They're trying to confuse you to narrow it down as a jump ball there. Correct. I like that. Jump ball. Jump ball. Jump ball. All right. So that's adhesive capsulitis. That's all you need to know to pass the uh, the NPTE with any question about frozen shoulder. There you go. NPTE Study Cast. 
Pinecast.